You're listening to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast with Davina Frederick. Hello, and welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast, formerly known as the Solo to CEO Podcast. It's a new year and we have a new name, but for our mission in 2020 is still very much the same to provide thought-provoking, powerful, and practical information to help you in creating your own wealth-generating law firm without overwork or overwhelm. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm here today with Jennifer Lancaster, managing partner of the Lancaster Law Firm. The Lancaster Law Firm, located in Benton, Arkansas, offers family law, immigration, and personal injury services to clients throughout the state. Welcome, Jennifer. We're so pleased to have you as our guest here today on the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Great. So tell me, first of all, how's the weather out in Benton today? It's a little cloudy and a little bit cold, uh, so we're we're trying to stay warm. Yeah. Well, I'm down in Florida, so unfortunately, it's not as sunny here today as we normally have it. <laughs> but... Um, Tell, so tell me more about your um, your law firm and your law practice and how you serve your clients. You offer uh, a wide variety of services, family law, immigration, personal injury, uh, and uh, I think criminal defense too, right? Yes, we do. We offer services in all of those areas, family law, including uh, divorce, child custody, adoptions, guardianships, bankruptcy, which includes chapter 7, 13, and 11. We do debtor and creditor. We represent debtors and creditors. And uh, as you mentioned, general civil litigation, wills, and uh, animal law. So we we represent clients across uh, many varied areas of law. So it sounds like you really function as a uh, like a, a family lawyer, a lawyer for life, almost. So anybody who mm-hmm. comes to you, you, you're representing them. You want to be their lawyer throughout for all their needs. That's correct. You are. Uh, this is the Lancaster Law Firm, and you, you're a partner. Who you're a partner with? Is it your husband? You're a partner with. It is my husband. We met in law school and we actually got married our 3L year over spring break. We took the bar exam together. We graduated and then took the bar exam together, which I do not recommend. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We did it and we found out that we passed the bar exam. We both passed on a Friday and we opened our law firm the following Tuesday. We would have done it on a Monday, except it was a national holiday. So... That would have been really bad if one of you had not passed. (laughs) That was a real test of your relationship right there. (laughs) Right, right. But fortunately, we both did pass. So uh, it was great. Excellent. And how many people do you have um, in your firm? Is it just the two of you? And uh, do you have staff? Yeah, so it's the two. My husband and I are the two attorneys. We do have a a third attorney here, but she... um, she is operating independently. She is within our building. Um, we do have multiple staff members, uh, three paralegals and a legal assistant. And we have a, a tech person and uh, our own process server. <laughs> so. oh, okay. Good. So you, because you must serve a lot of process then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so tell me what, tell me before you became an attorney, what was, uh, did you, did you just always know you wanted to be a, an attorney? Was this something that you, as a child, you, you just knew that this is what you wanted to do or 
did your journey take you someplace else first? Well, it's funny. Um, when I went into law school, I was in a concurrent degree, pursuing concurrent degrees, uh, the JD and MBA. I wanted to be a businesswoman, and I I wanted to, my long-term goal was to eventually get into politics, whether it was lobbying or running for a political office, and I thought having the JD would be a huge asset. I wanted to affect change, positive change in the world, and I thought that that would be the avenue for me, so that is why I enrolled. I, I, I'm grateful that I did, but my life has certainly taken uh, a unique turn throughout that. Um, while I was in law school, I often said I wasn't exactly sure what I would be doing upon graduation, but I knew that I would not be practicing law and I would not be living in a small town. <laughs> so <laughs> here I am. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I, as I said before, I, I met my husband in law school and his dream was to open a law firm in, in his hometown, which is Benton, Arkansas. Uh, and it is, it's relatively small. So upon graduation, uh, he was extended a, a great job offer. We both were. But knowing that my husband's goal was to have a law firm, I encouraged him to go ahead and pursue that at that time. We didn't have children. It was just us. Uh, so he decided to uh, open the law firm. He turned down the, the job offer and opened his law firm. Again, Maybe not the brightest decision uh, from a, an outside perspective. It was in the middle of a recession, <laughs> you know, and job offers were hard to um, hard to find. But we did that, and we just gave it everything. I'll be honest; I did not think that my husband would want to pursue it. I figured he would try his hand at it, and then would decide maybe that wasn't for him and then would <laughs> ultimately find a, a, a job elsewhere. And uh, that was almost nine years ago now. <laughs> so here we are. You were trying to be a supportive spouse and that whole thing just backfired on you. <laughs> exactly. It did. And I told him, I said, well, you need to go now. Now is the time. We don't have children. Um, go open your law firm. Do give it everything you've got. I will support you. I was still um, trying to finish my MBA at the time, and um, and and so I was going to get a job and support him while he got his law firm off the ground. And he said, you know, I'd really appreciate your help and uh, with this law firm. So I agreed. And uh, again, I thought it was just going to be a, a short term uh, thing. And um, I decided that I would practice bankruptcy. I didn't really, I had taken one course and it was by the chief bankruptcy judge at the time. I really enjoyed his class, but I did not clerk for any bankruptcy firms during law school. And so upon graduation and opening the firm and his request for me to help him, I decided that's what I was going to do. And I reached out to a local law firm to just to take uh, one of the attorneys to lunch and pick their brains and and just get what information I could about it and, and uh, surprisingly I was shot down in a in an embarrassing way. <laughs> um, oh. Yes. Oh no. Yes, it was by a man, but he did it in front of his his staff, and they, in a surprising twist with that, 
one of the paralegals was, uh, she felt bad for me and she started referring clients to me. <laughs> so, oh, so that worked um, out well for you. <laughs> it did work out well. Um, but then I turned around and, and met a, a female bankruptcy attorney and she was wonderful. She, she took me under her wing. She introduced me to the bankruptcy software, um, told me about the judges and the trustees. She went through a couple of bankruptcy petitions with me. And then she was just readily available anytime I had questions. And so I credit so much of my uh, success and my beginning to her. And I'm so grateful uh, that she was um, willing to be a mentor to me during that time. So, oh, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, I love hearing, yeah. hearing the stories of, you know, mentorship uh, of other from other women like that. That yeah, is fantastic. Uh, you know, women can just be such, um, such we can be each other's best cheerleaders. That is yeah. for sure. And I think we do have a duty to mentor other women who are coming up and trying to make their way in the world. And, and this woman, her name's Danielle Walker. She's located in, in Little Rock. She is just a beacon of light in, in the legal community. I will tell you that. So uh, from there, you know, I, I started practicing. My bankruptcy uh, practice just took off. And here we are. Um, and, you know, I, even though this is not what I planned on doing with my life, it has certainly turned out to be a huge blessing and I, I couldn't be happier. Right, right. And now you have you have a family, you have daughters. I do. I have two daughters, uh, Victoria and Gia. They are five and three. Oh, wow. So you have quite you have your hands. You, the two of you really have your hands full now. And yes. and and you have this law firm nine years later. So it doesn't look like you doesn't look like he's going to go get a job now. Go get a real no. job now. Right. <laughs> right. Right. No, we're we're happy. Um, oh, that's wonderful. So um, tell me what what do you think have been some of the. Uh, the biggest challenges that you guys have faced in growing your practice and growing the business? Well, I just mentioned a very um, wonderful woman who took me under her arm and under her wing and was a great mentor to me. I will also say women can be some of um, can be some stumbling blocks as well. And hiring and firing, that has been a bit of a challenge. We have mm -hmm. hired women um, who, you know, the personalities just didn't fit. I will give an example. We hired a woman. She was an attorney. And two weeks after I had my youngest and my oldest was still one. She had not yet turned two. She sent letters to all of our clients. She set up a law firm just down the street and sent letters to our clients telling them they should come with her. She would, you know, perform the services for oh, wow. um, for less. Yes. And then and then disparaged us. And we we had really tried to encourage her and lift her up and we showed her the ropes, we introduced her. We were the type of mentor that Danielle had been to me. And um, and so that was that was hurtful and that was a bit of a challenge. However, um, I will say I took that experience and while it hurt, um, I have tried my best to turn that into a positive experience. So, and I think women with children will understand when you're trying to grow a law firm and a family, <laughs> there are unique challenges that come with that. So what I have tried to do is create a law firm where we hire women who are 
mom and I'm trying to create a situation wherein they can work from home, they can be flexible, they can be devoted mothers, but also be developing a career in the legal profession. Uh, that is how I have tried to take my negative experience and turn it into a positive. Um, and so far, it's working out well. Oh, wow. So how are you? So are you doing that with your uh, uh, so like your paralegals there? Are you, you're setting them up as remote workers or you're doing flex time? Tell me tell me a little bit more about that. Um, both. So I do have um, a couple of paralegals who work uh, the majority of the time they work remotely. So we are set up, we're, we're highly automated um, and we have computer software programs and we utilize Dropbox. And so a lot of our work can be done from home. I have a paralegal that she is devoted, and in a way I'm taking a page from Henry Ford's book here. I have um, one a paralegal who's devoted to, to uh, interrogatories, answering them, making sure they're in on time, making sure that um, any interrogatories that we have propounded to the opposing party, that we have received them timely, etc. So that is her focus. And yes, a lot of that work can be done from home. Um, and then I have another paralegal who her focus is on my creditor clients, so banks, um, uh, e even in the bankruptcy process, drafting reaffirmation agreements, proof of claims, pleadings for foreclosure, etc. They don't, some of these uh, paralegals don't work 40 hours a week, maybe it's more like 20, but it's flexible hours. So if they want to get up at, at five in the morning and get some work done before the kids wake up, that's fine, just as long as the work is done. We do have the software program where we can set deadlines and we can assign tasks. And so that is how we, one of the main ways that we communicate with each other and with our clients. And that's how we all stay on task and we don't have to be in the same building. Right, right. So you are, so they're like uh, VAs, they're like virtual assistants almost. It, as opposed to what you would think of a traditional paralegal who works a file from start to finish. They're more assigned, you know, projects, projects, yes. you know, and, I, yes. and, and, to, and to clarify for people who, when you say you took a page from Henry Ford's book, what you're doing is more kind of that assembly line where, where one person does the same task over and over and over again, as opposed right. to handling a file from start to finish and doing multiple tasks, multiple different tasks. They're just doing the same task like an assembly line. So one yes. person does the same task over and over and the next person does the same task over and over again and so on and so forth. So I, that, yeah, that is, that's, that's genius. That's fabulous. And it's working out really well, well for you. It is. And it's allowing these women to uh, like I said before, be devoted mothers, um, but at the same time, develop a skill and contribute financially to the household. And that's my goal. I just want to, I want to encourage women. I want to lift them up um, and, and be that, that mentor or just, you know, make the world a better place for women, which I know you're trying to do as well through mm -hmm. your podcast. Right, right. And, and you, how and how and that's working well for your firm. You haven't found that it detracts from your firm in any way. In fact, it's probably working better for you. 
It is. It is working well. Now, I, I do have um, two uh, full-time assistants that are uh, paralegals that are here in the firm daily. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a hybrid and, and it, it is working very well. And the way that we're able to stay in communication with our client, that's the most important thing is they want to know what's going on. They want to have an act. Many of them want to have an active role and they, they get that through all the many um, programs and, and technological advances that are now available to us from text messaging features to emails to software programs that just keep the clients abreast of what is happening in their case. Um, And so at any point, any one of us can reference the file, readily reference the file, and then provide that information to the client. And we have not had any problems. So it's working well. Yeah, that's wonderful. So shifting gears a little bit, I want to talk to you about what it is like you you and your husband working together. I am uh, I'm part of an entrepreneurial couple. Both my husband and I are entrepreneurs and uh, have worked together in in many different businesses. And so I know the unique challenges that come with that. So I'd like to talk to you about what that's like to be a partner in a in a law firm with your husband and how you, um, how that works for you. Do do you divide the responsibilities and do you, you know, each of you obviously have different areas of practice, maybe, I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. So uh, I get this question a lot. Um, it actually works out really well for us. Uh, as I, um, as I mentioned, I was in the MBA program, so I'm a more business minded, individual. My husband is very litigious. He loves being in the courtroom. Um, and uh, he has a very uh, aggressive personality, I would say. And that's not a bad thing at all. He was a, he's a former Marine, a former pro bull rider. Um, there's just not much that scares or intimidates him. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and so when we, as we have created this law firm, even though I kind of took a backseat role initially, we have we have divided the responsibilities within the firm based on our unique skills and and personalities. So I have taken the lead when it comes to the business and the hiring of personnel and the software programs that we use and just how the business is structured. My husband really doesn't want anything to do with that. He wants to focus exclusively on litigation. So that frees him up to focus on those areas where he 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 truly just shines. So um, he trusts me with all the business decisions and he focuses on the litigation and I do um, I do assist him. So I, I actually will draft some pleadings with him and help prepare for trial, et cetera, but he takes the lead on that. I take the lead on the business side and, and in my respective areas of, of the practice. But uh, it works out quite well. Um, there is not a whole lot of overlap. Um, people, I think, sometimes assume that we um, work each case together, and that's, that's not always true. Um, right, right. That would that would probably be very tough tough to do. <laughs> that probably yeah. a little too much togetherness. <laughs> probably so. Yes, there are, there have been some cases where we do work together, and it actually works out really well because we do have um, such unique perspectives on it that when we put our heads together, 
no stone is left unturned and we are prepared for everything. So it, it does work out really well. And I have really enjoyed um, working with my spouse and growing this law firm with him. Right, right. So this is uh, uh, something kind of interesting uh, that I noticed about you is that you uh, at one point were a national figure, national level figure competitor. Um, was this something that you're still actively doing or is this uh, something that you did before you were um, in law school? <laughs> so the same year that I, my husband and I got married, we uh-huh. took him past the bar and opened our law firm. I competed in the national level figure competition. <laughs> so you're just a little bit driven, just a little bit driven, just right? Just a little bit, just a little. Um, it was actually just a couple of months after we opened the law firm, I flew out to Sacramento, California and competed in uh, the national competition out there and I won my division. It was a wonderful experience, extremely challenging. Um, extremely challenging, but a wonderful experience. And um, I love to lift weights. I love to to just push my body and see what it can accomplish. Um, Just seven months after having my second child, I competed in Ironman 70.3 down in Puerto Rico and completed that. Um, I, I think physical fitness and just overall health and wellness is so important, especially in a high stress environment like a law firm. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to take care of yourself. Your your mind functions better. You, the individual feels better. So I I try to set that example. Um, I try to live and practice what I preach, and I try to encourage not only my husband but my staff members to take care of themselves as well. Because you get one life, yeah, <laughs> you know, you right. need to just take care of yourself, and it's part of part of having that balance, which I think is so important. Right, right. And you're also the founder of the Lancaster Animal Project. Tell me about that. What is that about? Yes, so it's a multifaceted project, and we call it a project. It's it's not just a rescue, but it is, in fact, a project. We're just trying to make, we're trying to promote animal welfare um, throughout uh, not just Arkansas, but the country. We have represented animals and their owners um, from Colorado, uh, Connecticut, of course, here in Arkansas, and we we do rescue animals. So we have taken in some of the worst cases of abuse and neglect in the state of Arkansas. We've taken in those animals. We have gotten them the medical care that they need, any rehabilitation that they may need. The ultimate goal is to get them well physically and emotionally to be a forever companion to uh, individuals. And so we have taken in uh, those kind of animals on the rescue side. Um, we also, as I mentioned, we represent animals and their owners in the courtroom. So, um, for example, we had a case out in Colorado where uh, a dog um, had bitten a woman and the city was wanting to put the dog down. Now, we were ultimately able to prove that the woman had beaten the dog with a, t- a metal tiki torch pole before oh. it bit her. Um, it was a huge dog. Um, she, there was no reason for her to beat the dog. However, uh, in court, we were able to, to prove that she was an ex-girlfriend of the owner. She was bitter. And that's how she came to end up just abusing this animal. And then it oh. bit her out of fear. And, and so we were able to reunite this dog with its owner, who is a veteran. And so they actually, we remain in contact. This case took place 
oh goodness, I don't know, five, six years ago. Um, and this dog is with its owner. It's loved. It has a little sister who I believe just turned four. <laughs> so um, we take on cases like that where we will go to bat for the animal. And then we currently have an appeal pending wherein, um, and you may know this, but in Arkansas, an individual cannot recover non-economic damages for harm done to an animal as a result of negligence. So we are going to be asking the um, appellate court to basically find that non-economic damages can be awarded or be recoverable when foreseeable harm is done to an animal as a result of negligence. So we'll see how that goes, but it's just trying to push the law in furtherance of, of promoting animal welfare and hopefully, um, hopefully at some point getting animals um, a non-human living status under the law because uh, right now animals are seen as nothing more than property in the eyes of the law no no different than a lamp or a couch and so we're we're hoping to change that over time right so and animal animal lovers out there like like me i'm a huge animal lover we are you know championing you know we're, we're your champions in this we're behind you 110 <laughs> percent because we don't view we don't view our our puppies as you know lamps and couches we view them as babies <laughs> right right and in this situation in this um case that we are appealing the woman had boarded her dog um, which was her companion. I mean, this dog went to the chiropractor and went to the groomer. It was her baby. She, this, our client did not have children. She loved this golden doodle. And uh, she, uh, she had to go out of town, so she boarded the animal. And the boarding facility allowed this golden doodle to be with, um, I believe, three other dogs, one of which I think was an Akita and a Pitbull and, and a third large breed dog. And um, a fight occurred and um, of course the three on this one older doodle um you know the, the three won <laughs> um, and the um, boarding facility did not even take the dog for uh vet care until almost 24 hours later and they didn't notify our owner and the dog ultimately passed so from that we are um that that's those are the facts surrounding this appeal but if she, like what you just said, you know, this dog is her child. She loves this dog. And seeing this dog suffer was very traumatic for her. So she should not just be able to recover the value of the dog, which, you know, the value of an 11-year-old doodle is almost nothing. Right, you know? right. So, so we're using that to try to push the law. Also, with our, our project, we just this year decided to uh, offer what we are calling escape grants. So through our domestic relations practice, we have learned of individuals who have, um, while escaping their abuser, they have left the animal behind, the family pet behind. And oftentimes the family pet will become the abuser's next target. And so we have, we have begun offering escape grants to encourage these individuals to bring the animal with them. And so these escape grants will fund um, boarding, vaccinations, food, et cetera, for up to 30 days while the survivor is getting back on his or her feet or finding a new place to live um, until they can be reunited with the animal. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. That's wonderful because that's something a lot of people don't 
you know, wouldn't think, wouldn't think about, but that's a huge, you know, that's a huge issue. Yeah, wow. it is. Wow. That's wonderful. It sounds like you guys are doing some great work through this. We're trying. We're yeah. just trying to make the world a better place. Yeah. Yeah. So what, uh, what is, what's next for the Lancaster uh, law firm? What, what are your, what are your growth plans in? I know 2020 is coming up. So you've got some growth plans in 2020. What's next? You're coming up into year 10 soon? Yes, yes. Well, we are looking at opening um, another location uh, in another county. So we're exploring that option. Uh, we we have actually, in the past, we have hired uh, quite a few staff members, other attorneys, and we have just discovered that the current size of our law firm with my husband and I being the attorneys and our staff members is ideal for us at this chapter in our life. We, as I said, we have two young girls and um, we have structured the firm such that it, it keeps us busy. We have a very comfortable lifestyle, but I'm also able to leave every day at two thirty to go home and be with my girls. And so I'm able to spend time with them, cook dinner, etc. So, Right now, um, short-term growth plans, our plans are just to stay as we are, continue to provide excellent service to our clients, which is what we have become known for. Um, we, we demand excellence of ourselves and, and of our staff members, and we have found staff that rise up to those expectations. So we're, we're very pleased. But long-term Yes, uh, we would like to have one, possibly two more locations and um, just slowly find the perfect staff members that will constantly make our clients a priority and demand excellence of themselves um, every day. Mm -hmm. Tell me this. What do you think the um, biggest lessons are that you've learned along the way in growing this uh, business besides um, never just tell your husband, you should really go do this now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some of the lessons, you know, I think being bold and when, and I think all women, um, could benefit from being bold when, if you're an entrepreneur, you are not going to, it's very unlikely that we're going to be making rash decisions. Every decision, every plan comes with a lot of thinking and planning. And once you make that decision to move forward, just be bold. You're going to have people that are going to throw stones. You're going to have people that are going to criticize or say it can never be done. But once you've committed, remain steadfast, move forward with speed and intensity and confidence, and uh, just pursue those goals with reckless abandon and don't be afraid of failure. I think that's really hard for women because we often, and I'm guilty of it too, well, what if this doesn't work out, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think it, it would be wise to have a plan B, but not be expecting to put that plan B into effect. Uh, just move forward and don't be afraid of failure because that is what will hold you back the most. Right, right. That's great advice. I, I could not agree more. That's wonderful advice. Well, thanks so much for being here today and sharing with us. Uh, tell us how we can find out more about your law firm uh, on the Internet. 
Our web address is www.thelancasterlawfirm.com. We are on Facebook at thelancasterlawfirm.com. Our Twitter handle is LANC, L-A-N-C, Law Firm. And uh, you can email me at jennifer at thelancasterlawfirm.com. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. It's been just wonderful talking with you today and um, learning so much about your firm and the great work you guys are doing out in Benton, Arkansas. Well, thank you. Thank you for all you've done. And it's been a pleasure being with you. The Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast is sponsored by Wealthy Woman Lawyer, LLC. We help women law firm owners build wealth generating law firms without overwork and overwhelm so they can reclaim their time and create the lives of their dreams. If you are ready to create more of what you truly desire in your business and your life, then you'll want to sign up for our free training, How to Transform Your Solo Practice into a Seven-Figure Firm with Total Ease. Register at WealthyWomanLawyer.com slash webinar.